This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome in, Grayson Grudhafer, Sikkim365.com recruiting analyst and analyst in general, but recruiting is his thing. And, and Grayson, um, last week was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It was the largest comeback in Baylor history. Um, they were in a moment in that game teetering on the precipice of, of what looked like um, the abyss because you lose that game as bad as it looked like they were going to lose that game. You're going to lose a lot of hope for the rest of the season. How much do you think that fourth quarter shot adrenaline into this team? You know, Paul, I mean, I think it was huge, right? The simple fact that they came away with the win. But I think it is also very smart to kind of go back and look at how the game got to where it was. And the more you dive into it, the more you watch the game, you kind of come to this conclusion, okay, UCF dominated, you know, the first, uh, what was it, like six minutes of the game. And then from that point on, Baylor really settled down. And I know people are going to point to the fact they were down 35-7, but to me, there were some circumstances there that got you to that point, such as the Dominic Richardson fumble where his progress could have been called stopped or his knee could have been called down. It wasn't. They get a touchdown. Then a little bit later in the game, you have it's 28-7, and UCF hands the ball off. Mike Smith strips the running back, and they call the play dead. UCF scores. Those are two huge calls that, you know, if either one goes your way, you feel a lot better. But also, I will say, just early in the game, it really felt like Baylor was kind of right on par with UCF in just about every single metric except the scoreboard. And so you kind of sat there and you were kind of like, okay, so in order for Baylor to win this game, they're going to have to continue to do this offensively while playing so much better on the defensive side. And they were able to go into halftime, regroup, not give up, which is a huge thing, I think, uh, probably one of the biggest talking points this week. And then just in general, come together as a team and find a way to get the job done. But in general, I think my biggest takeaway is the fact that you're down 35 to 7. You were getting, you know, it's 28 7 at halftime. And you could have easily just, you know, folded up, just gone home, right? Just been like, okay, this isn't going to work. We see it all the time in college football. Uh, but instead, this team regrouped, came out with the same intensity, same focus, and they got the bounces to go their way late in the second half and so it was a huge win for them and I do think it's a moment where you can kind of if we look back at the end of the year and Baylor does make a bowl or Baylor does you know get into November as a team that's actually competing to potentially make a big 12 championship I, this is a moment that we will definitely look back at yeah I think you know and then what look if they if they wind up losing that game 35 to 10 you know and not having that juice you've got a question you got to start questioning everything, right? Because it like you, you like everything you said was right, Grayson. Like they were doing most everything right, except they had had these big, gigantic gash plays that had you know just stabbed them in the gut, and they're kind of 
were sleepwalking through some of that for a little bit, but to wake up and do what they did was really huge. Now they have to not allow teams to do that anymore. That that's the next step, right? Like don't don't have to do this all the time. Like just start Definitely. well. Yeah, and, and and Paul also I think there's this I mean, I'm sure Baylor fans felt this and I'm sure the players felt this as well. I mean, you also got to get to a point where it's like you, you're not sitting there thinking everything's going to go against you, right? Because I think anyone that covers Baylor, anyone on the Baylor team, when they saw Timmy McLean convert that th- that fourth and long, running back into his end zone, somehow finding a receiver, you're everyone's sitting there like, oh my gosh, they're still going to lose this game, even though they've had this crazy comeback. Do you have to get a, get to a point where that is no longer kind of the mentality or the thought? And they were able to win it. They were able to close it out, stop them, force a really, really long field goal, and come away with the win. But you're exactly right. I mean, at some point, they're going to have to put together a complete performance. But in general, they kind of – I mean, they won a game on the road against, in my opinion, a very good UCF team. And I think, you know, one of the common denominators is they finally got their quarterback back. Yeah. I mean, this – you know, this was the first time we've seen Blake Shapin for four quarters. This was the first time we've presumably seen a, a healthy Blake Shapin uh, for four quarters. Now, you would think he'd be better this week, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it completely changes who they are if their quarterback is healthy. Uh, now, again, they have to do it against a team that's in the pretty much exact same spot as they are. Same record, disappointing start to the season. Really need this win to, to kind of swing their their season back the right way, where do you see Baylor's advantages against Texas Tech tomorrow? So, I mean, there's a huge stat that I continue to look at, and I honestly think it's the biggest stat going into this football game because I think we pretty much know Baylor is going to be able to move the ball in Tech based on everything we've seen from Tech so far this year, based on what we saw last year in the game in Lubbock. Um, I think we know that. I think generally Baylor should move the football rather easily and should be able to score some points. But the biggest factor in my eyes is Texas Tech's inability to be efficient passing the football. And what I mean by that. So Baylor, so far this year, they've played three teams inside the top 24 in passing efficiency. You had Texas State at number 13, UCF at number 22, and Texas at number 24. Baylor struggled with all three of those offenses because they completed passes, they hit on explosive plays, and they just really, their quarterbacks diagnosed Baylor's defense really, really well. Well, Tech is currently 94th in the nation, and that is even with a few games from Tyler Shuck, who I know a lot of people think is a really, really good quarterback. I think he's okay, but he is better than the current quarterback, Baron Morton and they're 94th in the country. That is a huge downgrade from what Baylor has seen uh, over the course of these first few weeks against the top competition that they face. And those teams all took advantage of Baylor's secondary, inability to get after the quarterback at times, kind of all those things, and they were able to attack Baylor. But I think that that stat right there is going to come into play in this game for Tech. They're going to have incompletions that – uh, moments where they needed a where they need a big completion, I think Baylor's actually going to be able to get some stops there. And then I think in general they're going to be able to get pressure and rattle a quarterback that is still young and still growing into being, you know, this really really good Big Twelve quarterback, which I think Baron Morton can be. But I think right now, based on what we've seen, he's not quite there yet. And I think for that reason, Baylor's going to get a lot of pressure on him. They're going to make things difficult. And at the end of the day, you kind of are who you are at this point in the year. 
And I think Tech is still an inefficient passing team. So while they're going to run the ball well, I think that part of this is going to play directly into Baylor's favor. Mike Smith out for the year. Uh, Josh White, we'll see him more. He was the you know the, their big grab out of the transfer portal a couple years ago. Um, he has not really contributed that much for Baylor yet. How big of a loss is Mike Smith? It's a really fascinating question because I think the more we d- dove into tape and the more you watch Baylor play, I don't think anyone sat there and said Mike Smith has been elite this year or been irreplaceable this year. But what he has done is he has put himself in positions to make plays. It's just at times he hasn't made those plays. So what that tells me is he's diagnosing things very well, but once the play is actually there, at times he's not making them. I mean, you can point to the Jonathan Brooks touchdown early in the game against Texas where he's got a one-on-one opportunity and just completely misses the tackle touchdown Texas like you can't have those things but at least he's putting himself in the position to make those plays I think with these younger guys when you look at Jeremy Evans and you look at Josh White and you look at Carmelo Jones three guys that are very very talented in my eyes more athletic than Mike Smith maybe have a higher upside than Mike Smith but how quickly do they process things is going to be the biggest question and I think Josh White's going to get the first crack at it his biggest problem has been processing we know the kind of athlete he is. We know what we've seen, you know, in high school when he was a high four-star guy, went to LSU, uh, at Baylor, big expectations, hasn't quite lived up to them yet. And I think it's because of that processing uh, type thing. So we'll see. We saw flashes last week, but he's going to have to take big steps forward if he's going to be a linebacker that is out there every single down. In my eyes, I think this is probably going to be more of a rotation next to Matt Jones. And they're going to have to hope that these guys mature and get better really, really quickly because for all of the faults of Mike Smith, the one thing that I think most of the times we could guarantee was he was trying to put himself in the right place. He was able to diagnose plays well. We'll see if they can make up for that with athletics. So they have uh, several commits uh, visiting this weekend against Texas Tech. Of the non-commits, which one do you think is the most crucial for them to you know, show out for? Yeah, you know, I think in my eyes, this is probably one where I look at Katie Jordan running back, uh, Chad Gasper. He's he's a guy who, very good prospect, a guy who Baylor offered somewhat recently uh, in this cycle, but he's really blown up uh, on the recruiting side of things. Ohio State offered Oregon, Tennessee, Wisconsin. So uh, definitely a big-time prospect, a four-star prospect, and a guy who I think is going to be a really, really good player at the next level. Uh, he's probably the biggest. Uh, non-commit that's on campus this weekend uh, there's a couple other ones um, but you know for for instance there's you know one Fort Ben Ridge point wide receiver Ashton Bethel Roman he's in the 2024 class he's a four-star guy a guy I'm really really high on I, I think he's a fantastic player but he's committed to Arkansas and he's coming uh, you know to hang out with Mason Dawson who's his teammate who's a Baylor commit and watch uh, D.K. Kalu as well, who's a Baylor player. But right now, he's locked into the Arkansas commitment. This is more just an off weekend for him to come and, you know, see Baylor, but also hang out with some of his friends. So I wouldn't put him kind of in that category like I would the 2025 running back, Chad Gaston. Yeah, so that's more uh, – that one's less on the coaches and more on his friends to show him a good time. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and one of those where, you know, I'm going to sit here and, you know, hear every, like he's locked into his commitment with Arkansas, and that's great. But when you come to Baylor and if you're hanging out with your friends and have an amazing time, like 
you just never know, right? And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. But it, it's definitely a wait and see thing. And he's he's locked in with Arkansas, which makes total sense for him. He's been locked in since he committed to them uh, in the summer. Grayson Grudenham for Sigum365.com. Grayson, enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Grayson Grudhafer with us here on 365 Sports. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.